welcome to the Show Me Education podcast. Join us as we share best practices and show you the amazing and meaningful work of educators across Missouri and beyond. The mission of the Show Me Education podcast is to share stories that resonate with you and allow you to walk away feeling energized and inspired to improve education in your own community. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the learning. Welcome to the Show Me Education Podcast Season 2. If you are a new listener, thank you so much for joining us. If you are a returning listener, then welcome back. We're glad to have all of you. My name is Mark Clements, and I proudly serve Missouri students and educators through the Heart of Missouri Regional Professional Development Center at the University of Missouri. The Heart of Missouri is one of nine Regional Professional Development Centers, or RPDCs, around the state of Missouri, each of which is made possible through a series of grants provided by the Missouri Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. Each RPDC offers a variety of services, including the Missouri Teacher Development System, the Missouri Leadership Development System, district continuous improvement processes, school-wide positive behavior intervention supports, migrant English language learner supports, literacy supports, math specialists, special education, and much more. If you're unsure how to access any of those services, just drop us a message using any of the social media tools shared in the podcast notes, and we'll be happy to point you in the right direction. And while we're proud of the work that we do, however, our work is not the primary focus of this podcast. Our purpose is to share the best practices and showcase successful educators like you. Last season, we featured a ton of really great guests. We shared some awesome stories and did our best to highlight the tremendous work being done by Missouri educators. And rest assured, season two will have even more of the same with some outstanding guests and topics already scheduled to appear. To kick off the new season, however, we wanted to give listeners a chance to meet the new members of the Show Me Education podcast core team, as well as our returning members, and give everyone some tips and tricks to get your school year started off right. We discussed a lot of things in this episode, ranging from critical first for administrators, onboarding new staff, embracing the unique cultures of our student populations, building relationships as classroom teachers, and copiers? Why did we talk about copiers? You'll have to stay tuned to find out. Before we get started, a quick reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at Show Me Education, and we'd love if you'd consider subscribing to the show using your favorite podcast app and consider leaving us a five-star review as well wherever possible. You can also find us on Facebook, and we've recently set up a variety of ways you can leave us voicemails using Voxer, Flipgrid, and a few other tools linked below in the show notes or in your podcast feed at bit.ly slash showmeedu. This episode was a lot of fun to record, and we hope you enjoy it. Welcome, everybody, to the Show Me Education podcast. I am so excited to be back here today with some members of the Show Me Education podcast core team sitting down to kick off season two of our podcast right and hopefully give everybody some tips and tricks and inspiration to start your school year off right, regardless of whatever role you might have within the school. My name is Mark Clements. I am from the Heart of Missouri Regional Professional Development Center out of the University of Missouri in Columbia. Um, my work there primarily centers around DCI or District Continuous Improvement, um, a DESE-sponsored initiative, um, kind of helping schools and teachers 
focus on research-based practices to improve student learning. I'm going to allow all of my colleagues to introduce themselves, um, give you a little bit about them and their background and where they're from, and then we will um, hopefully give you guys some things that you can use um, to get your school year started off right. So who wants to start? I'll start. I'm Betsy Reidenauer. I'm a Missouri Teacher Development System Specialist. Um, I work with teachers um, all the way from novice teachers, first year teachers to all other career level levels, excuse me, um, veteran teachers, mentors, instructional coaches, um, all of that. I am at UCM in Warrensburg at the Central RPDC. Awesome. Right. Thank you, Betsy. All right, and I'm uh, Lori Pinkston. I'm also with the teacher development system, excuse me, uh, along with, I'm on, on Betsy's team with that. And I am in the Northeast region um, out of Truman University in Kirksville. It's my first year. Good afternoon. I am Ted Huff and I am with the St. Louis Regional Professional Development Center. I am a Missouri Leadership Development Specialist, where I coach and mentor school leaders and provide best practices in professional learning for school leaders. Uh, I'm Rob Greenhaw. Uh, happy to be with you guys again. Excited for a new season. Um, I am a, a MEL instructional consultant at the St. Louis RPEC. MEL is a Missouri migrant in English language learning. So I, I talk with schools about their programs for English learners and uh, lead uh, workshops to help teachers be more effective um, with English learner students. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is John Schuler, and I am with the Central RPDC in Warrensburg. I am a Missouri Leadership Development Specialist, along with my colleague, Ted. We, are, uh, we focus on working with principals. We match them with mentors. Um, we work, do a lot of workshops on a variety of things, whether it's uh, about, you know, critical first or equity or, or uh, whatever it takes, whatever our leaders need. We also do Leadership Academy and um, in the MLDS, we call it, uh, we work with principals from aspiring to retiring. So we have transformational uh, things that we do as well as uh, principals who uh, aren't principals yet or people who are considering being principals. So. That's who we are. And like Rob, I am, I'm excited about our, our new season. Last season was a blast. Um, and uh, I'm, I love this team and I'm really looking forward to working with everybody again. And I am Jonathan Lee. I am uh, out of the St. Louis office like Rob and Ted. And like Mark, I'm on the DCI, District Continuous Improvement uh, side of things. So I get to work with a lot of districts on data and assessments and instructional practices and I do a lot of the tech side of things too as well um and so I'm excited to be this be part of season two season one was great over 850 downloads for the first year so it's pretty impressive for 20 episodes uh I'm excited for the team and welcomed Lori uh new to the team this year and excited for the content we will bring we met at Shakespeare's a while back and uh had some inspiration and got some great stuff coming this year. So Mark, let's take it away. Thank you team, appreciate you guys. And I, I will echo the sentiments of the rest of my colleagues with the excitement for season two. Our need that we're trying to meet for today is getting the school year started off right. Um, as we record this, we are um, here in late July. Um, so I know um, we, we have plenty of colleagues out there, friends who are not necessarily uh, ready to start shifting modes and thinking about education yet, thinking about school yet. Um, meanwhile, to my colleagues in MLDS, 
Um, you know, we have a lot of administrators that are already back at um, back at work, um, have been um, have been for some time now. If they ever left, there's plenty of people out there that are on 12 month contracts and haven't um, haven't ever really stopped. Um, I know a lot of administrators and even teachers too. When when May rolls around, sometimes their brain's already thinking about the next school year. So if it is, we're here. And if it's not, uh, hopefully this is a way to kind of ease you back into things slowly. So I think what we're going to do, let's just start off by thinking about what is the, what if you were going to give, you know, one piece of advice or one thing you need to be thinking about to get your school year started off right. So rather that's, you know, um, if you're thinking about from an administrative perspective, that's when teachers are coming back to work. Um, et cetera, or if you're thinking about that first day, first couple of weeks with students, et cetera. So I think what we'll do is we'll just kind of um, go around the room here and just kind of hear a little bit from everybody. What are some of your thoughts on where we should, um, how, how do you get your school year started off right? Betsy? Yeah, I think I want to um, talk about looking through the lens of a first year teacher. It kind of makes my stomach flutter a little bit thinking of back when I was a first year teacher and how exciting that was and how scary that was. And um, you know, there are lots of critical firsts in a, a first-year teacher's life, um, lots of ups and downs. Um, that initial feeling is excitement. I think it's really important that we're pairing those first-year teachers up with really great mentors and not just the mentors that know where to find the chocolate. It's the mentors that can really teach them about their communities um, beyond just their classroom and their school building to the community that they're they're buying into um, their town or city that they're living in. So um, that's really important. One other thing that I want to mention too, though, is support for those mentors. And so I guess I'm talking to administrators right now, maybe instructional coaches, because that is super important that your parent, you have really good pairs, but also that your mentors are receiving that support too, because they can get bogged down with showing the the first year teacher where the chocolate is and how to communicate with their students and how to keep really good parent communication logs and all the things that first year teachers need to learn. But then mentors still have all the stuff that they need to be doing too. So that is a really important thing for administrators to pay attention to, for mentors to be able to feel comfortable to ask for help um, at the beginning of the school year so they can manage everything. And, and those first-year teachers to still still feel welcomed to ask questions. So it's kind of a, a really a, a real balancing act there. Um, and, that's, and that's important when, to get the year started up right. Bessie, I, I, I couldn't agree more. As somebody who, you know, obviously was mentored early in my career and then um, served as a mentor a handful of times, you know, I, I worked with a wonderful principal who used to make the joke that, you know, the first time she asked me to be a mentor, I kind of scoffed and said, why me? And she said, because you're willing, you know, and, and we say that sort of like tongue in cheek because, you know, it's like, oh, nobody wants to do this job. So here, you know, you're up, you're willing, that's you. But the truth of it is, is that I think, you know, one of the things I think about when looking for mentors is you really want somebody who is eager to help, right? Like somebody who has the health of the organization and really wants to, you know, to have an influence on the younger teachers. Does that make sense? Does that sound about right? Yeah, it's super important. And when, you know, in my position and in Lori's positions, we're we're faced with these teachers who are leaving the profession within their first four years of teaching. If we're not pairing them up with the right people and supporting those people, those mentors as well, then we're going to be in a worse conundrum than we're already in. So I, I that's something for all of us to be really conscious of as we start this school year is making sure we have support across the board from first year all the way to veteran teachers. 
Don't want to don't want to overstretch our best people for sure. Ted, what about you? What's on your mind? Okay, so from the lens of the school administrator, um, I believe there are four critical first areas: your first faculty meeting, your first day of school, uh, communicating with all your stakeholders, uh, students, staff, and parents, and then of course or, um, orientation of new staff. And I'm going to look at orientation of new staff because I think that's key. Uh, we have to onboard the new staff. So we have teachers who are new to the profession and the teachers who are new to your building. And we have to think about each building is unique within the district. I think about acronyms. Uh, at, my, at my school, we had certain acronyms, you know, um, and we, we'd throw those around. People go, what are you talking about? So they have to understand that piece. Um, they need to understand, you know, district guidelines, building guidelines, department or grade level guidelines, uh, who to talk to. Um, you know, they need to know the name of the secretary and the custodian. Um, uh, or your lead custodian and your lead, your lead, your lead secretary. They need to know that. Um, and then we also need to, once we bring those them on board prior to school starting, you have to make sure you work with them throughout the school year. So we get something called the Breakfast Club, where we met monthly with all new certified and support staff. And they also had a building mentor, uh, aside from the district mentor that they, they might receive. And so we met with them monthly. And this, I didn't leave this out. We had, this was teacher-led, um, teachers leading teachers. That way they were very comfortable. They could ask any questions they wanted outside of things that I would lead out in our faculty meetings or our professional, professional learning pieces. So this allowed them every month to meet and we had guest speakers coming in to talk to them about different things so they could ask questions and become more familiar with the building and be successful. What advice would you give a principal who, you know, maybe I'm sitting here planning my first onboarding here and I'm thinking, you know, what professional development do my teachers need right off the bat? Um, or is it just better off to say, hey, you know what, <laughs> between the, you know, where do I make copies and like, you know, where, you know, filling out my insurance forms, maybe for the first time, maybe that's enough to think about right now. So I'm curious, like, you know, uh, advice for a new administrator, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do we want to hit them with book studies right off the bat? Or do we need to like, you know, maybe, you know, ease our way into this? That's a good question, Mark. I think it's important to have them become very comfortable uh, with the building and what's going on in the building, you know, where to make copies, absolutely. And how to use the 17 copiers in your building or however many you have, because every copier is different. <laughs> every copier knows when you need them the most and they go on lunch break. So um, I think it's huge that we do that piece. Um, I always tell them, this is our PD focus for the year as determined by the building last spring. Here's where we're going. We will get you caught up. Uh, we'll work with you on the side to get you caught up there. So don't worry, but right now, because we take a half a day with them and then we give the other half to them to work in, the, in, the, in their classrooms because they need a little more time than everyone else, the new teachers, or anyone new to the building needs a little more time to become acclimated. So I want them to be very comfortable um, in their new surroundings to make sure that they're a part of the community. And then we step into the professional development because they'll get that all year long and we'll, we'll bring them up to speed. You know, Ted, I, you know, you could not be more right. It's, it's um, sort of what it's, you know, the hierarchy of needs. What are they gonna need first? they're gonna to need to know some real basic things like where the copiers, who to ask when they don't know the answer to a question. And if you're a school that doesn't have an instructional coach or uh, a mentor who, who is a, has a ton of experience and would know, automatically know these questions very easily or the answers to the questions very easily. Um, one of the things I would challenge new principals to do with their staff, regardless of whether they're new or, or whatever, is to um, think about their mission think about the mission statement and referring to it, um, talking about their goals and referring to them and connecting what they're doing. So even showing someone where the copier is should in some way connect to your mission statement. And it does. I could take any mission statement and I could tell you, you know, but I think it uh, an intentional 
um, uh, reference to the district and building goals is what helps all teachers uh, create a, a, a culture that is uh, working together towards the same the same destination. You know, I mean, ultimately, we want we want to create assessment capable learners. You know, when it comes right down to it, and so for that we need to all be on the same page whether it's the art teacher or the you know algebra teacher everybody needs to be on the same the same page and going the same direction so um but new principals sometimes they're caught up in their own you know stuff like they don't know where to make copies or who to ask and um and it and they may not understand the mission statement in a deeper sense uh, so that's a challenge but but it's something that even new principals, they absolutely need to do to get their year started out right. Exactly. Um, our podcast last year with Emily Cross, where she talked about PD, and I know that you know PD gets a bad, gets we all have been in bad PD, and we've all been in PD in the beginning of the year where it's like, man, I need to be in my classroom. Oh my gosh, what am I doing here? But man, I would recommend to any new listeners, listen to episode two with Emily Cross, we still get, I still get comments about that. She is still getting emails, you know, from people who have listened to that episode and said, this really resonated with me. And, um, and they just uh, feel like uh, that was a really good discussion about how to think about PD at the beginning of the year, so. I just wanted to offer up a social media moment. Uh, Ted and John both talked about the importance of showing them the copiers. Is that still a thing? <laughs> copiers went away. So if you're out there on social media, hashtag show me education, do you still use copiers? Anyway, back to you, Mark. Well, I mean, I, I, I was using that as sort of a non-digital a, a non native, you know, I'm not a digital native, but, you know, sort of, uh, sort of thing. You know, at least I didn't say, you know, uh, photostatic copiers or something like that or dittos or something the ditto machine yeah. <laughs> thermofax machine john and then yeah, right. the lucy how do you check out the lucy from the library so that's a really old reference. i don't even know what that means <laughs> no need to no need to you're much too young lucy Hawkins. yeah no. <laughs> I, I, I know i'm the oldest person here it's, it's okay it's okay it's okay <laughs> into <I'm>, technology <laughs> I was already, I'm glad Jonathan said it because I was sitting here thinking to myself, I can feel this becoming like, you know, the, the copier episode is how this went from here, you know, so um, that's a, maybe, maybe we need to do like a five-part series and all the different copiers that you might, you might encounter in the wild or something. Um, that's all right. That's awesome. But, but I, I, you know, thinking about copy machine as metaphor for, you know, more practical things that we might be um, kind of inundating people with, you know, um, Ted's right in the sense that's like, you know, sometimes as administrators, we're busy thinking about the big picture and like all the things we're trying to accomplish within our, within our building, um, you know, and, and meanwhile, we've got new folks there, you know, like I said, trying to busy figure out, you know, HR stuff or, you know, like, how do you know, how do I make copies of things? So I, I think that's right. Like, I think that's a good, um, that's a good takeaway. So um, thank you, Ted. Appreciate it. Uh, on to the newest Absolutely. member of the team, Lori, what do you think? Where do we, um, what, what piece of advice do you have for somebody looking to start off on the right foot this year? Well, I just want to weigh in on that copier thing real quick. When we went virtual back in spring of 2020, um, those copiers do a lot more than just make worksheets. We, we were able to do a lot of things and then push those out to our students. So 
there's a there's a lot more to know about the copier than just where does the paper go in. So just just putting that out there. Fair and enough. I was thinking with the somebody mentioned the the leadership development system that you're you're working with principals aspiring to retiring. And Betsy and I are working, like she said, you know, with these teachers, they're at, at the exploring stage where maybe they're still in, you know, high school or, or college all the way to leading. And so those critical firsts are going to look a lot different. But going back to what she said, the importance of mentors, I don't think you ever outgrow the need for that. And I think, you know, the leadership development system shows us that too. And that wherever you are, you've got to find your people. You need, you need your tribe. You need, you need someone. And if that isn't, you know, sometimes that's just hard to find that happening right away in your school district. Um, so maybe, you know, look out, look, look for some other places um, like, you know, podcasts or social media. There, there are just so many opportunities and so many people out there who really do want to help and support teachers at every at every stage of their development. So that would be my advice is just make sure that you've got some people. To, to and Lori, the professional organizations, you know, belonging to the state level and your local level professional teacher and leadership and whatever, whatever you do, English teacher, math teacher, whatever it is, you know, like you said, finding the tribe and those professional organizations are strong in Missouri. And um, people need to need to join up and uh, take advantage of what they have to offer. Yeah, I agree. I've I I gained so much from those myself, um, and there, so so many so many different possibilities out there. So just find them. Yeah, and I you know just uh, thinking about those new teachers in particular, new to your building in particular. Gosh, ask questions. Like, you know, I mean, if you're if you're in a new environment right now, even if you're a new principal, whatever, like ask questions, please figure out, you know, you said, Lori said it right, find your tribe, figure out who it is that I can go to, um, you know, when it's, hey, I broke the copy machine and I'm not sure who to fix it or who's getting ready to come and get me about it, you know, so um, you, you you definitely need to figure those folks out um, for sure, so I like that, that's great. Rob, how about you, what's on your mind? Uh, well, mostly I want to talk to you guys about copy machines, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think, uh, I want to talk, uh, I guess, you know, my, my niche is, is the English learner world. So I'm going to talk a little bit about, uh, starting a year off right with, with English learner students. I want to encourage teachers to, uh, to learn about their English learners, right? So, uh, there's just in, incredible variance among the population of English learners in our school and, and you need to, kind of do your due diligence. So things you should consider is um, making a connection with the EL specialist, if you have one at your school or finding out what, what is the student's English language proficiency level. So how did they score on the test last year? What is this a student who needs uh, help with social English or are we focusing more on needing support with academic language? Um, you wanna know about their home language. What is their home language? Do they have literacy ability in their home language? Um, what can I do in my classroom to encourage uh, both development of literacy in English and also literacy in, in their home language? Um, and then I want to I want to encourage teachers to learn about the cultures of their students and the families of those students. So um, there's just great websites you can go to to kind of figure out about what are what are common cultural practices of of people of different cultural groups. So um, one website in, 
in particular that I know has some great stuff on it is uh, ELL 2.0. So if you go to ELL 2.0, there's a cultural resources tab. And they'll, they'll, they have just links to different websites that will tell you about like, hey, this is an individualistic culture, or this is a collectivist culture, or this is sort of a, the do's and don'ts of, of sort of social conduct in these particular cultures. So just to, to be prepared that, hey, I'm going to have some English learners in my class, and I want to know what is their home language, and what is their cultural background, and what is their proficiency level in English right now, and, and who in my building can, can help me to be effective with these students. So, um, so I guess that would be my sort of tip. Um, and one more real big one is pronouncing students' names correctly. So we really want to, from the get-go, say, hey, it's important to me that I am saying your name correctly. Please help me pronounce it. If I'm saying it wrong, help, you know, let me know I'm saying it wrong and let me practice. And um, I just think, especially teachers of younger students, it's important in, in preschool, in pre-K, in kindergarten to to make sure that we're creating this sort of uh, environment where we pronounce the students' names correctly, that they're proud of their, their name, that their peers know the correct pronunciation of, of the student's name. So that's just something to make sure we, we do right from the get-go. Um, just, just to tag onto that, you know, it, that's so important. Don't, and no matter what it says on the registration form, we need to call them by their name of choice. Yes. Um, that's huge. No matter what, no, no matter what goes in the yearbook, you know, if, 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 if Joe goes by, you know, Frank or, or Louie, you call him Frank Absolutely. or Louie, you know, and that's okay. That is Absolutely. okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't make up nicknames. I had, I had staff members who would make up nicknames for, uh, students that couldn't pronounce their names. They'd say, okay, I'm just going to call you, you know, a letter or, uh, you know, some, uh, Americanized something. And I just thought that was so disrespectful. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't allow it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I basically think as kids get older, they're more and more likely to not, uh, not you know, uh, rebuff or, or kind of stick up for themselves and say, hey, that's not my name. So, so I think early on, you want to make sure like I'm saying it correctly and all of their peers know how to say it correctly so that we're not off the bat already, you know, pronouncing the student's name incorrectly and that'll lead to years of it being incorrect, right? Good point. You know, I think that that is such a great point. It's actually, um, we, it's so easy to overlook sometimes as a, as a classroom teacher. You know, if I've, um, if I'm getting ready, you know, the first day of school, I may be getting ready to meet, you know, maybe if I'm in an elementary classroom, maybe it's 20 or 25, you know, maybe, maybe more than that. But if I, you know, if I'm a secondary teacher and I'm getting ready to meet 100, 120, 140 kids, something like that, you know, it's really easy to kind of gloss over that. And then at some point, you know, I've always found that you know, I mean, gosh forbid, but you know, somebody slips through the cracks and here we are the first week, second week, third week of school. And it's like, man, I'm still not entirely positive on how to pronounce that kiddo's name. You don't have to make a show of it. In fact, it probably works better if you don't, but pull that, you know, grab that kid for a couple of minutes before class or after class and say like, Hey, look, I just want to make sure that I am super confident. And that I'm saying your name correctly, because it's, a, you know, even if you're wrong, um, and because I think, you know, I, I used to have this fear that's like, you know, Hey, if I acknowledge that I'm saying it incorrectly, then you know, I, I may hurt their feelings or something. Well, not as much as you're going to hurt them if you say it wrong for the next nine months, you know? So no, by all means, you know, take that extra step, make that extra minute. I think that is, um, I think yeah. that is, that is so easy to do too. So for Absolutely. sure. And it, it models language learning, right? So you're showing right. like, Hey, it's not easy to pronounce words in a new language. And so I'm going to work at it and, and I want to do my best and, and, and do it correctly because it matters. But 
I'm recognizing that it's it's difficult, right? And I, you know, just to piggyback on Ted's point too, you know, students' names of choice, you know, because you know, ultimately we don't care. It's their, it's their name, you know, it's what they're called, you know, so it's, I want to make sure that I'm respecting what their needs are. And I won't, I won't name the name of the school or the district or the individual, but I uh, worked with a central office administrator um, who uh, they were speaking specifically about transgender students and what name would go on the diploma. Um, and, and ultimately this administrator, I was very proud said, you know, print the preferred name on the diploma, because ultimately, you know, and she was getting some pushback from some board members and things and said, the, it's not, it's not even a legal document. It's a certificate that hangs like, you know, put whatever name they want to put on it. You know what I mean? Like this is, you know, and I, I and I just, that's such a revelation for some folks that I thought, you know, that was worth saying out loud um, to our greater podcast audience too. So ultimately it's their name and we want to respect, um, we want to respect that name from them too. So um, no, I think that's a great piece, and it's such a gateway into understanding culture um, and, and the individual cultures of the students, for sure. And that goes for staff members, too. You know? Oh, 100%. I had, I had a secretary who literally I had to give her directive. This woman got married. Her name hadn't changed. And she goes, until she legally changes, I'm not printing a new nameplate. Like a paper nameplate that slipped yeah. into a, a thing on her outside her door. And I'm like, um, yeah, you will. And I don't care who told you that or whatever you're putting mrs so-and-so that's what she wants that's what she's changing her name to it'll be less confusing for the kids if they have to call her if they call her something different throughout the year that's what you're doing and it was so strange that i had to have that conversation with and it's both. the difference it's the difference too between the formal versus the informal like you know the name you know in the case of the the staff member that you're talking about with a name change you know, this isn't the IRS, this isn't the HR paperwork that's right. being submitted to the IRS and things right. like that. You know what I mean? That's a different yeah. scenario that, or what the official transcript says for a student or something. Right. I understand there are legal um, legalities behind that. And, and, you know, all of us certainly understand those as do most of our listeners. But when it comes down to the day to day, you know, wh how we refer to people, um, I, I think that autonomy is important. I think it's important that we respect that for sure. Betsy, I think you had something else that you wanted to you wanted to bring up. Jump in there. I think that we are in maybe a more normal, I'm using air quotes, listeners, normal environment right now, but I don't think our sub shortage is going away. So that is something else that we need to be prepared for as we start thinking about starting school of how we're going to help our subs when they come into our buildings. Administrators, teachers, you all need to be thinking about this. How are you going to make sure that you are leaving appropriate lesson plans, maybe where the copy machine is or whatever the sub needs to know, you need to have that prepped too within the first couple of weeks of school. I think that's really important. We need to be able to, to maintain the subs that we are actually getting to come into our buildings and making them feel comfortable and prepared and set up for success for a day in the in the gym or a day in the library or a day in a fifth grade classroom so no matter where they are i think that's really important to be to be thinking about as we're starting school too i that i agree with that betsy um and i would add whatever you can do to make them feel appreciated because even i used to even just leave a few little pieces of chocolate and money for the soda machine and i know just those types of things can go a long way too yeah those are things that first-year teachers don't think about, and none of us go into the school year planning on our first day that we're going to be absent, but those things happen. You know, like I said, it feels more normal now, and we're not planning on that, but it will happen, and 
I think that's a really a good thing to be thinking about as we start the first at the first of the year. Well, and just bringing it full circle too. You know, we were talking about you know learning names, um, especially if I'm a veteran teacher. Uh, you know, if I'm a first year teacher who's just busy trying to figure out like you know what time lunch is and dismissals and things, like you you I'll give you a pass on learning the name of every sub that's in your building. But if you're a veteran teacher that's not necessarily fighting to keep your head above water and you're you know you've you know this isn't your first you know your first month of school ever your first week of school ever you can go so far with building rapport with subs to say the subs name you know to make it a point to recognize them and see them and say hello and things like that too i can't tell you how many substitute teachers i talked to over the years who would tell me you know hey i really prefer working in this building or that building because when i come into this building like nobody nobody says my name or nobody knows um you know what i mean like i don't know where the bathroom is nobody pointed you know nobody pointed that out to me nobody pointed out where the copier is to me you know things like that so take you know take care of our subs in that sense too and that's something that you know we don't think about onboarding subs there's more air quotes for you betsy but the truth is it's like hey how we how we treat our subs very early in the school year goes a long way to determine whether or not they're accepting those uh those Friday requests in December, you know, when the, when the weather might not be the best or something like that too. So um, no, I think those are, that's a great point regarding our substitute teachers. Mark, that's good. Not to copy you or anything, but I mean, uh, you know, we had a, we had a, we had a sub SOS folder. So it was important stuff that they needed, uh, the name of the teacher next door to them, uh, different things that they needed to know, names and stuff like that, um, who to call in the office for X, Y, or Z. That way they had that right handy. And I had a colleague who said, announce their guest teachers in the morning. We want to welcome our guest teachers, so-and-so. And I think that is huge. We never did that, which- I love um, that, I love that. You know, they announced their guest teachers of the day. And so they everyone knew who was in the building. So it made everyone aware to make sure they checked in on them. But um, when it comes to the, the subs, you know, like you had said, the principal can make all the difference. And um, if the principal says, this sub is gonna be treated like an adult who's teaching kids in our building and not like, uh, second class citizen, they'll be welcomed into the, you know, you know, staff room for lunches, they'll be, you know, and, and you go down and check on them personally, you know, um, as do other people. And <clears throat> I think that that um, builds your, your own culture. And I guess that's the, that's uh, another, another thing to talk about is culture building right off the bat. And I don't mean games necessarily, or um, you know, just get to know you activities and or things like that. I mean, you know, where where you guys where you're modeling, you know, how you want the year to go. You know, the the teachers are modeling for students how how they behave and how they handle stress and new situations. The principal is modeling for the secretaries in the office and the teachers. You know, all of this that you're making. You know, all the adults in the building feel like they belong to a team. That includes, and I think you mentioned, someone mentioned this, you know, introducing head custodians, the uh, office manager or all the secretaries, whatever your school setup is, however big your school is, and, um, and just making sure that it starts with everybody feeling like they're on the same team. And yeah, the food service too, Jonathan, very good, very good point. You know, I mean, the, our, my cafeteria manager was vital to the, the, how the day went for some of the kids. And, um, and, you know, it just, it, it was important for them to know who she was. And for that matter, my athletic director, my activities director, you know, for all the, all the students to know as they're coming up through the ranks and playing sports and we're dealing with parents and, the, and that sort of thing, um, including the, 
the activities director and some decisions that are made about the building regarding, you know, meeting parents and things like that is, is just is going to build your culture, help, help everybody feel like we're all going the same direction. So I have to share this quick, quick story with all of you, but um, my daughter came home from school. She was in kindergarten last year um, talking about something that happened in the lunchroom. Um, it was a positive, And she said, the chefs. And my <laughs> wife and I both looked at her and said, the chefs? And she said, the chefs. Yeah, you know, the people who make our food, the chefs. Um, so my wife, who teaches in her building, my wife is a teacher, made it a point to stop in and talk to the lunch staff and say, hey, just so you know, my daughter refers to you as the chefs. You know, and I Mark, think- that, Mark, have you seen The Bear? Have you seen the show, The Bear? No. All right. New popular show on Hulu is The Bear. And out of respect, everyone in the kitchen calls each other chef. It's like, chef, I need you over here. Chef, over here. So <laughs> I love he's it. on to something, yeah. I that's, love it. That's the best. I do too. Um, you know, and, and it's amazing how far, um, how far you can go with just building relationships with all, like, um, like John said, all the adults in the building too. So, um, Mr. Lee? You're up. Well, I'd like to shift the, the conversation over to uh, the laminator, if that's okay, because <laughs> I think that's another piece of equipment that's really important. And if you are a new teacher and you break that laminator before school starts, you, you're on the wrong foot, man. Yeah. So uh, I think that's probably another good piece to talk about. That uh, is so no. true. That's not even it's funny. True. That is a true statement coming from an elementary teacher. You do need to know. Do you have permission to change the lamination film? Because if you don't, then don't try to do it. Ain't, ain't touching it. Nope. Yeah. There's only one certified person in the building that can take, change that laminated machine. That's you know, right. I told people I went paperless like long before going paperless was cool. And people thought it was because I was super tech savvy or it was because I was trying to be green. And the truth of it is, I just didn't like fighting laminators and copiers and all of those types of things. Like it was just easier to do it digitally. And it, um, those first year teachers have personal laminators on their Amazon wish list, though. I'm just telling you. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. They've, they've, they've got it figured out. I think that's something, too, is that, you know, we talk about first year teachers and veteran teachers, but I think there's always something to be learned on both sides. There's, yeah. you know, there's, there's, there's always an exchange. Yeah. So Mark, and I mean, seriously, Mark just mentioned the word that I was kind of picturing as the, um, the basically the center of what we've all really talked about is the importance of building relationships. Um, you know, whether it's that mentor, mentee, whether it's your new staff as a leader, um, whether that's getting to know everybody in the building and knowing their name the correct way. Uh, you know, it's all the importance of, of building that, that relationship with, with whoever it is you're talking about. And so I'm going to come from the perspective of a uh, teacher and relationship with the families and you know something that we did um the school that i worked with was uh it was a big secret of course of who who te which teacher you had and so july 1 is when you found out and it came came out in a letter from your teacher and so we had to submit a letter um to our new students because we knew before the school year was over that was part of our exit slip for the for the summer break um and we had to submit a letter to our new students and it was you know try to personalize them as much as possible. But in that letter, I also offered up two things. One, um, a survey. And it wasn't just a, hey, tell me about who's your best fish or, you know, your dog pets. It was, it was, it was everything that I needed to know. Like, what's, mom, this section is for you. Dad, this may be your section. Um, what are some of your goals for the year? What are some things that you, you your child has struggled with in the past? Um, 
who are they really who do they really hang out with um you know all the things you may need to know in case something goes awry or something comes in sad or something like that um and the other thing i always offered up was the first week of school um i always got knocked on because i was the only guy in the building guy teacher in the building and you know my room looked nothing like any other rooms in the, in the room um you know my first year, I think I had my mom come in and help me. So it looked a little bit like the other ones. Uh, but, you know, it didn't. And I started to realize, you know what? It's not my classroom. This, this is the kids' classroom. Um, and so it was not unusual that I had three, four, or five of my new students come in the week before school starts to start help decorating the room because it was theirs. Um, and then it was not done until two weeks after school started when we start as a class started to decorate things. Um, and so that was something that I really liked to do. Um, two other things that I tried and that I did that were very successful. One was I made it a point to ride all of my students' buses before the month, first month was over. Wow. Um, it gave me a chance to meet um, some families because they had it was elementary. So the families typically had to be at the bus stop. Got a chance to meet them. Also got a chance to see what that environment is on that bus um, and how they interact with it. I wasn't there to, to discipline anybody. I was just in there to just kind of observe, watch, and, and see how that environment was. Um, but it also gave me a perspective on time. You know, our school started at 8 a.m. And the first bus stop was eight was 6.15 for some of my city kids. So they were on the bus for an hour and a half before school started. And they were on the bus for an hour after school started. So their day is automatically eight and a half hours long compared to our kids that can walk to school. So it gave me a different perspective on what to expect from those kids. Not to say that I lowered expectations, but to understanding of what they're going through of, you know, you didn't get your homework done. Why not? Well, you lost two hours on the bus. Um, you know, so that just kind of really helped my perspective. Um, and then the last thing I did my last year, last two years, and it's really hard for a middle school, high school, I apologize. Um, but I actually set up family meetings before school started, um, whether that was in the classroom, whether it was at the local bread company. Uh, I went to four or five homes um, because that was the only place they were because they had younger siblings. So actually, they, they let me into their home and just talk about their goals and what they're excited about. And I mean, it was really cool to see the family say, hey, can, yeah, come on in. That'd be great. And then the kids wanted to show me around the house. And um, it just really made that relationship start off on such a right foot. And it made that school year go so much smoother. Um, and so just don't be afraid to start those relationships off early uh, and offer those opportunities often. That is that is wonderful. Jonathan, I have to tell you, like I was, I'm taking notes as we're talking here and um, thinking about all the great ideas that I'm hearing from everybody. Um, and relationships is where I was going to go to with students because, you know, and um, I knew it as a teacher. I used to tell people as a principal, hey, I don't, I, there are no priority standards in August. Okay. The priority standard for August is build relationships and learn names. Like that, that's it. Um, and if school doesn't start until August 28th or after Labor Day or something, okay, fine. You know, you, there's, there's a pass. There's a certain leeway here um, that we really need to make sure that we focus on that. Um, and I will just tell you that while this isn't necessarily a first like beginning of school year thing. You know, if I ever had a class period, you know, teaching at the secondary level, you know, if my fourth hour, for example, kind of got sideways on me, you know, and there were a couple of times in a row, you know, as soon as I start feeling like I'm regretting my, or I'm, I'm dreading, I should say, my fourth hour, um, then for me, it always came back to when's the last time I had fun with this group? You know, when's the last time we invest in some relationships right now? And for some classes, some class periods, I had to do something, you know, five minutes a day for, you know, every day, or I had to do something once a week. You know, in other years, it, it wasn't quite that intense, you know, but I think that's important. Um, 
I think you can go a long way to setting your school year up right. Um, I will start off by saying like open house, um, regardless of whether you're talking about from a teacher's perspective or a principal's perspective, but um, especially as a secondary teacher, you know, we don't get to see parents all that often and we probably should do a better job of it, you know, in terms of learning more about families, et cetera. But that's one of the rare opportunities where you might get to see some families kind of parade in and say hello. Um, so that's kind of an opportunity to build some relationships there. Um, I would avoid, if possible, like the um, heavy, you know, behold the syllabus on high for which you will adhere to or else, um, you know, but, to, you know, maybe avoid some of those things and instead make it a point to really drill home what matters to you. You know, so for me, I always made a point to focus on relationships as much as I could. But then, you know, early in my school year, I would start talking about, so I was a social studies teacher, um, and we would do a lot with timelines in chronological order throughout the school year. So we would build timelines of like the school year. So as the year was happening, we would build timelines. So I could, you know, or I would learn more of it. And I had students create a timeline of their life so that they can learn how to build timelines while I'm building relationships with them. So maybe think about some skills that you're going to use academically that you can then, you know, build into some relationship building kinds of activities and things like that too. You know, in the spirit of, we've referenced a couple of times today, developing assessment capable learners. Um, I, I had students, you know, come up to me years later and still talk to me about pizza because I always in the first week of school built the pizza rubric um, where we talked about define what is proficient pizza. And I did this with kids. So we just had these like crazy off the wall conversations about what makes proficient pizza, what makes level four pizza, what makes, you know, um, um, progressing, you know, pizza, what makes, you know, uh, you know beginning pizza. And we just went crazy, you know, talking about everything that that is. But you get to have a lot of conversations about food and culture and what that looks like to different families. You get to have a lot of conversation and getting to know kids. But you're also teaching kids to understand success criteria. You're teaching them how to evaluate something. And that's a skill that we're going to use a lot of um, throughout the course of the year. Um, bless those kids years later. They still remember the pizza. They may not remember much about, you know, assessment or peer or self-assessment or peer reflection or anything, but they'll stop me at the grocery store today and talk to me about the pizza rubric, you know, so, um, but that's cool too. And I think that that just kind of brings me to what I would say is, is my final point here today. You know, teaching is a profession that is terribly, terribly devoid of feedback. And what I mean, I don't mean like administrator to teacher feedback, um, because what I mean is, is that, you know, at any given point during the course of the day for a teacher, we're getting thousands and thousands of decisions that we're making, where we're constantly doing things and the feedback that we get may be largely negative. It's a kid that complains. It's a class that groans when I give an assignment or I ask them to stand up to do something. Um, or it's people not getting things. Or it's, you know, frustration because the copier is not working. It's just we're inundated with, you know, negative feedback in that sense. Um, and we don't often get to see the positives that come out of it until sometimes years later. And the truth of it is, is that that feedback loop is just way too slow. So what I would say is give yourself a ton of grace, regardless of what role you're in when you start this school year. Understand that, you know, when um, um, Stephen Covey talks about having a personal mission statement. So remember your why. Think about why it is that you went into this profession. And whenever we ask people to do that, generally I'm going to get something about change or I'm going to get something about making a difference, et cetera. And just understand you are. You, you are doing that. And whatever frustrations you're having, it's because a change needs to be made. You know what I mean? Maybe that changes. We need to move away from copy machines altogether. I don't know. But you have that opportunity to be that change. Um, so 
make sure that you know make sure that you do that make sure that you give yourself a lot of grace make sure you celebrate your own successes and celebrate the successes of your your colleagues too rather that's substitute teachers who made it in as guest teachers today or rather that is you know chefs in the cafeteria who are making sure everybody everybody's fed so this has been this has been a lot of fun today i really appreciate um, the the work of all of my colleagues here i'm really looking forward to season two um, we've got a lot of great ideas on tap and if we don't i'm really looking forward to the next time we meet at shakespeare's and hash out some more ideas um, so I think um, I think that's going to be a, that's going to be a blast too. So thank you everybody um, here on the podcast on the Show Me Education um, core team, and we hope everybody has a great start to their school year. Thank you everyone for listening to today's episode, and we hope you're excited to start the new school year and continue the important work of educating students. Remember to rate, like, subscribe, tag, and share, and help us spread the message of the tremendous work being done in Missouri schools. If you have any specific questions, feel free to reach out to any member of the team using any of the contact information mentioned in the show, or you can find it all in your show notes or in your podcast feed by visiting bit.ly slash showmeedu. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, keep up the great work and enjoy the learning. Thank you for listening to the Show Me Education podcast. Be sure to share your learning from the show with others. The Show Me Education podcast is a collaborative project between the regional professional development centers of Missouri with a vision of sharing best practices and showing you the amazing and meaningful work of educators across Missouri and beyond. Please subscribe to the show to catch all the wonderful content coming your way.